Praise the Lord. Peace and many blessings. We thank God for this evening and for the opportunity to be here to listen to his word. I pray that as the word of the Lord comes forth, there shall be restoration in our hearts. Amen. And I pray that the Lord will speak to us all. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word that's about coming to us. We pray that you shall minister to us. We pray that as your word comes, O oh God, may it cause a stirring in our hearts. May we receive answers to questions. We pray that may we receive solutions to problems. We pray, O oh God, that even as we hear your word, may we hear your voice speaking to us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, tonight, we shall be, um, I shall be speaking on the theme, Restoring the Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Restoring the Relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll look at this subject from three different perspectives. Uh, first of all, we'll look at why we must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why we must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number two, we'll look at why we lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Why we lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And number three, we'll look at how we can restore this broken relationship with the Holy Spirit. So why we must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why we lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And how we can restore this relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the essence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why we must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and the verse 15. Hebrews 4 and the verse 15. The Bible says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Now the Bible says that as believers, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. In other words, we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. Amen? Now, this high priest is Christ Jesus. And so, if you are seated in this place, you have to understand that you have a high priest called Christ Jesus who is able to sympathize with your weakness. Other, other versions say he can bear with our weaknesses. Amen? So Jesus bears with our weaknesses or Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. But the question is, how does he sympathize with our weakness? How does this high priest bear with our infirmities or sympathize with our weakness? We find the answer in Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Romans 8 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather. That is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, in this verse, the Bible says that Christ Jesus is seated at the right hand side of the Father and is making intercession for us. That is how he sympathizes with our weakness. He sympathizes with our weaknesses by making intercession for us, by praying to the Father to forgive us of our sins, by praying to the Father to give us a second chance, by praying to the Father to temper justice with mercy, by praying to the Father to give us one more time. That is how... Jesus Christ sympathizes with our weaknesses. He sympathizes with our weaknesses through intercession. Hallelujah. And by praying to the Father to have mercy upon us. Now, you have to understand that this work of the high priest or Jesus sympathizing with our weakness does not necessarily translate into we overcoming our weakness. Hallelujah. Jesus' work of sympathizing with our weakness, his role of a sympathizer to our weaknesses, does not translate to we overcoming our weaknesses. Now, because of this, the Bible now comes to Romans chapter 8 and the verse 26. And look at what he says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Hallelujah. So, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses, but the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. So, in the meantime... As Jesus is bearing with our weaknesses, asking the Father to give us more time, pleading with the Father to forgive us, p- 
pleading with the Father to give us a second chance. In that same hour or in that same period, we have the Holy Spirit who is there, who is helping our weaknesses. Hallelujah. So, if you're a believer in this place, know that you have two people working for you. You have Christ Jesus sympathizing with your weakness and you have the Holy Spirit who is helping your weakness. Hallelujah. That is why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. About three weeks ago, our senior pastor preached on the Holy Spirit, our helper. And one of the areas that he helps us with is with our weaknesses. Praise the Lord. Now, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came, what we see, we see the Holy Spirit helping Peter's weaknesses. Peter, we remember, denied Jesus three times. When people saw him and said that, look, you are part of the Messiah. We've seen you hanging out with Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. But in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that same Peter arose and stood before the same crowd and began to defend Jesus before them. He began to speak of Jesus before them. Why? Because at that time, there had been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came upon him. And what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit helped his weakness. Hallelujah. This is why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The deeper you go in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more help you receive to overcome your weakness. And I pray that tonight, may the Holy Spirit help somebody to overcome his weakness. Amen? Now, another reason why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit is found in Job chapter 32 and the verse 8. Job chapter 32 Verse 8. Number 1, you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's the helper of our weaknesses. Second reason, Job 32, verse 8. It says, But there's a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There's a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Now, the Bible says there's a spirit in man. That spirit in man is talking about the human spirit. So, everybody seated here, we have a human spirit. But then the Bible goes on to say that, but the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. The breath of the Almighty. Some versions say the inspiration of the Almighty. What is the breath of the Almighty? Or what is the inspiration of the Almighty? Now you have to understand that in the Old Testament, the phrase Holy Spirit was not yet introduced. It's in the New Testament that we see the phrase Holy Spirit. The Old Testament saints did not use the phrase Holy Spirit. Now, when they wanted to say Holy Spirit or speak of the Holy Spirit, one of the ways they spoke about the Holy Spirit is by saying something like what we see here, the breath of the Almighty or the inspiration of the Almighty. So when the Bible says that there's a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding, he's trying to say that there's a spirit in man and the Holy Spirit gives him understanding. Hallelujah. So it's the Holy Spirit that brings us understanding. That's why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The deeper you delve with the Holy Spirit, the more understanding comes to you. Praise the Lord. Now, that is why when you read the book of John, chapter 16, and the verse 12, Jesus said something to his his disciples. John 16, verse 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. In other words, you cannot understand them. This was... Jesus speaking to his son, he says, there's a lot of things that I must say to you. There's a lot of things that I must explain to you. But he said that, but you cannot bear them. But then he comes back to John 14 and verse 26. And look at what he says to them. John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things I have said to you. So Jesus is saying that, There are many things I have to tell you. There are many things I have to explain to you, but you cannot bear them. You cannot understand them. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He shall teach you all things. He shall explain all things to you. He shall bring to remembrance all the things I've spoken to you about that you cannot comprehend. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit brings us understanding. That is why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The inspiration of the Almighty brings our human spirit understanding. Hallelujah. Now, you realize that John also comes in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. And look at what he also says there. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. First John 2, 27. It says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. 
But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and is just and it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now the Bible says that you have an anointing. There's an anointing that you have received. And you don't need that anyone will teach you. You have received an anointing. And you don't need that anyone will teach you. What is this anointing? This anointing is talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. How do we know that it's talking about the Holy Spirit? Now, you notice in this verse that it says, but the anointing which you have received abides in you. The anointing abides in you. The anointing abides in you. Now, when you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21-22, the Bible makes us understand that when we received Christ Jesus, we are given the seal of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. To live in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit abides in our hearts. The Holy Spirit lives within us. So when John comes and says that you have received anointing which abides in you, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying that you have received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit abides in you. And that Holy Spirit shall teach you all things. That Holy Spirit shall bring you understanding. That Holy Spirit shall bring you comprehension. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit brings us understanding. That is the reason why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The deeper in fellowship you have with the Holy Spirit, the deeper of a relationship you have with the Holy Spirit, the deeper understanding comes to you. Praise the Lord. Now, we see this at work in the life of Daniel. When you read Daniel chapter 5, the Bible tells us about the story of the king, as the king was having um, is there a lunch or a party with his subjects, the Bible says that all of a sudden, they saw a hand appear, and the hand began to write on the wall. And nobody could understand, nobody could explain the writing on the wall. But then the queen came, and the queen made a wonderful statement. Daniel chapter 5, 10 to 12. Daniel 5, 10 to 12. It says that the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the Holy Ghost. In whom is the spirit of the Holy God. In whom is the spirit of the Holy God. Now, I told you that Old Testament saints could not say Holy Spirit. So, when they wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit, they used various expressions. Now, one of the expressions is the spirit of the Holy Ghost. And so, if you are reading it in the New Testament era, we will say there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the Holy Spirit. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, chaldeans, and soothsayers. Verse 12. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Now the Bible says that in Daniel was the spirit of the Holy Ghost. In Daniel was the Holy Spirit. Now because in him was the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that light and knowledge and wisdom and understanding and the ability to explain riddles and solve difficult statements was found in this Daniel. The reason why it was found in this Daniel was because the Holy Spirit indwelled this Daniel. Hallelujah. By virtue of the Holy Spirit living in Daniel, the Holy Spirit brought him a certain level of supernatural understanding. Praise the Lord. Th- that is why you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your lack of understanding is as a result of the, of the shallow relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. The deeper in fellowship you go with the Holy Spirit, the more understanding comes to you. Amen? So that is benefit number two of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings you understanding. Now, number three... The third benefit of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we see it in Isaiah 32 and the verse 15. Isaiah 32 verse 15. It says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field becomes a forest. Now, one of the things the Holy Spirit brings us is that the Holy Spirit brings fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit brings fruitfulness. 
Where the Holy Spirit is, there's fruitfulness. The Bible says that until the Spirit is poured on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is poured upon high, one of the things that happens is that anything that is a wilderness, anything that is a desert, it becomes a fruitful field. And if the thing is already a fruitful field, it multiplies and becomes a fruit. So the Holy Spirit brings multiplication. The Holy Spirit brings increase. Everywhere that is barren, everywhere that is empty, everywhere that is infertile, when the Holy Spirit moves upon that thing, it ceases to become barren. It ceases to become empty. It ceases to become infertile. Hallelujah. And I pray that tonight, as you enter deeper realms of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, let every emptiness in your life be filled. Hallelujah. Let every barrenness in your life become fruitful. Everything in your life that is infertile, by virtue of entering into a deeper realm of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, may it become fertile. Now, that is why the other day, if you remember in Luke chapter 1, the Bible says that one day the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and he said that, Greetings, you are highly favored of the Lord. The Lord is with you. And then the angel continued to say that, Not long from now, you shall have a child and you shall give birth to a son. And he shall call his name Jesus. And then Mary looked at the angel and said, How can this be, seeing that I have, I know no man? And the angel said that, The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. And after the Holy Spirit has overshadowed you, that womb of yours that is empty, that womb of yours that contains nothing, that womb of yours that is barren, that womb of yours that has nothing in it, after the Holy Spirit has overshadowed you, after the Holy Spirit has come over you and has, and has overshadowed you, that empty womb shall now contain something. That empty womb that had nothing, that empty womb that was infertile, shall now become fertile by virtue of the Holy Spirit overshadowing you. So I came to tell you that when the Holy Spirit comes over, over you, Everything that is a desert in your life, everything that is barren in your life, it becomes a fruitful field. Hallelujah. You see, that is the key to multiplication. That is the key to increase. Having a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit is the key to multiplication and increase. It's the key to turning your infertility and your barrenness around. Hallelujah. I pray that may the Holy Spirit hover over every emptiness in our lives. May it hover over every barrenness in our lives. If the, your business is barren, by virtue of the Holy Spirit coming over it, it shall become fruitful. If your marriage is barren, by virtue of the Holy Spirit coming over it, it shall become fruitful. Praise the Lord. This is why we must aim to delve deeper in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We must aim to delve deeper. In fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Paul, after all in his encounters, he came and said that, that I may know you. That I may know you. His, his longing was to delve deeper in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Deeper in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why after he wrote all the things that he wrote to the, the Corinthian church, the last thing he writes to them, you see, the Corinthian church was a very gifted church. They had all the giftings, and Paul had to take his time to explain to them prophecy, interpretation of tongues. He had to take his time and, and give them all of this explanation. But after writing everything that he could write to them, the last thing he writes to them is, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. That, that's the last thing he wrote. He said that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. I always say that when, when you read that text, 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. The Bible says that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's how it ends. But I remember that when, when we were growing up in primary school, when they were teaching us this verse, they'll say that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. That's what they taught us in, in, in primary school. And I realized that, you see, I love the now and forevermore. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit it must be with you now and forevermore. Because some people have fellowship of the Holy, with the Holy Spirit now. But they don't have it forevermore. They have it now. And they have it the next time there's a crisis. But it's not now and forevermore. And for a lot of people, it's now and the next crisis moment. Hallelujah. You see, that's why David said that, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Forever and ever, forever and ever. So it's like the, the Old Testament says their, their idea of fellowship with the Holy Spirit is forever and ever. It's now and forevermore. Not for a moment, not for a season. Not when there's a crisis. 
You know, like Samson. Samson, Samson's fellowship with the Holy Spirit was now and when there's a crisis. Yeah, that's the kind of relationship he had with the, with the Holy Spirit. It's a crisis moment relationship. And sadly, a lot of us, that's the kind of relationship we have with the, with the Holy Spirit. When you read about Samson, you realize that even though the power of God was upon Samson and the anointing of God was upon Samson, Samson prayed just about only two times. When you read the whole story about Samson, he prayed just two times. And all of those two times was when he was in trouble. The first time he prays to God, we see him praying to God, is, is when he had killed the Philistines, a thousand men of the Philistines with the jaw of an ass. And he was dying of, of thirst. And then he lifted up his voice and said that, Oh Lord, after giving me such great victory, will I now die of thirst? And the Bible said that, And the Lord opened an, a, a hole in the jaw of the ass, and water began to flow out of it, and he drank. So it's like the first time we see him pray was, was when he was in trouble. We didn't, we didn't see him pray when he was choosing a wife. No, we, we didn't see him pray when he, when he was trying to find somebody to marry. He, we didn't see him praying. But it's like when he was in trouble and he, he realized that, no, I'm about to die. Then he said, let me pray. So it's like his, his relationship with the Holy Spirit is a crisis moment relationship. The, the second time we see him pray is when they had captured him and they had taken out his eyes and they had brought him to the theater to come and entertain them. And then he lifted up his voice and he prayed and said, that, Lord, give me strength one more time that I might die with these people, that I might kill these people with the, the last blow. And the Bible says that and the Lord gave him strength. And that is when the whole theater came down and killed everybody. So it's like we see him pray only two times. And those two times is when he was in trouble. So his relationship with the Holy Spirit is a, it's a crisis moment relationship. It, it's not now and forevermore. Hallelujah. But I pray that like Paul... We shall long for a now and forevermore relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. After seeing the benefits of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are many more benefits, but because of time, I can't go over all of them. We want to look at why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Reason number one, we find it in Hosea chapter 13 and the verse 6. If we can get the NIV version for, for this verse. Hosea 13 and the verse 6. It says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot about me. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot me. You see, some people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit because God in His grace and His mercies decided to feed them when they were hungry. And then when they became full and no longer had need of Him, they left Him. That's what this verse is saying. He says, when you were hungry, I fed you. Then when you became full, you became proud and you forgot about me. This is the reason why a lot of people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because we have a need. Once that need is fulfilled, we neglect the Holy Spirit. We neglect fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A lot of students have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because they need to pass their exam. It's like after passing the exam, they neglect fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If you've noticed, it's like when it's around BC or WASI or one of these general exams, you see how students come and pray in church. It's like they begin to now have their quiet time and all of that. You see, the reason is because they have a need. And immediately that need is over. Immediately the results come and they realize that they've done well. and all. They, it's like they, they neglect fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's because God fed them when they were hungry. And now that they are satisfied, they are forgotten about Him. A lot of young people, after leaving school or university or whatever, they still have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because they need a job. You see, but it's like while they now have the job... They neglect fellowship with the Holy Spirit. After having a job, some people are looking for marriage. It was like once they have a, once they are married, they lose fellowship with the Holy because they were hungry, they were looking for something. And once they found that thing, the, the, the main reason why they had fellowship with the Holy Spirit is because they need, they had the need. Even for some married people, it's like the, their fellowship with the Holy Spirit is because they need a child. It's like after having a child, it's like what again do I need? I have a husband, I have a wife, I have a child, I have a job, I have a house. What again do I need? So it's like now you are satisfied. And because you are satisfied, you, are for, he says, he says, you forgot me. You've forgotten me. 
you've lost fellowship with me. You don't commune with me again. You don't pray as much as you used to pray. It's like, because you are satisfied, you, you have no need. Hallelujah. And a lot of people say that it's perhaps it's one of the reasons why Africa is so religious. Because it's like, it's like in Africa, you have to believe God for everything. <laughs> you have to believe God for everything. You have to believe God. You have to believe God for a job. You have to believe God for a wife. You have to believe God for a house. You have to believe God for a car. You, so it's like your whole life is believing God. <laughs> but it's like outside, it's not like that. It's like the systems are in place. You know, it's like they are, if you're unemployed, they are unemployment benefits. Or here, you don't work. Nobody will mind you. Hallelujah. So it's like a, a lot of people, it's because they are hungry. But once they are satisfied, their fellowship with the Holy Spirit is gone. But you see, it helps you to understand that there are two groups of people that approach the kingdom of God. Yeah, there are two groups of people that approach the kingdom of God. You find these two groups of people in Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse from verse ten to eleven. Second Corinthians nine, ten to eleven. It says, "Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food." Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Now the Bible says that God is the one that supplies seed to the sower and he supplies bread for food. The reason why he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food is because, like I said, there are two groups of people that approach the kingdom of God. One group of people approach the kingdom of God because they are just looking for bread for food. It's like their, their whole approach to God and to the kingdom of God is because I've come because I need bread for food. That, that's why for some people, God must supply bread for food. Their whole relationship with God is a bread for food relationship. It's because they need something. Somebody's bread for food is a job. Somebody's bread for food is a wife. Somebody's bread for food is a, is a breakthrough in business. Everybody has their own bread for food. So it's like, for some people, the reason why they're following God, the reason why they have a relationship for, with God is because they need bread for food. They need bread for food. And you see, for people whose relationship with the Spirit is a bread for food relationship, their, their, their fellowship with the Spirit or their relationship with the Spirit is not that deep. It's not that deep because it's like they are after God because of something they need. It's because they need bread for food. You see, that's why the other day, the Bible said that one day the people, the crowd followed Jesus. And the reason they followed Jesus was because Jesus fed them. He gave them bread. But after feeding them with bread for some time, he turned to them and said that, now if anybody will come after me, he must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. I said that, ah, look, we, we followed you up to this point because you were feeding us and we, you were giving us bread and we liked, we liked the bread you were giving us. You know, but it's like, now you are telling us we must eat your flesh and drink your blood. It's like, he's now, he's now expecting and demanding more from them. And it's like, no, we can't follow you anymore. We are gone. Then Jesus turned to his and said, look, shall you, shall you also tell them? I said that, and they said, who shall we go, seeing that you have the words of eternal life? So remember, the people were following Jesus because of bread for food. Because of bread for food. And once Jesus gave a certain hint that Charlie, this bread for food may cease at a the point, they're like, then we don't have any need for you. So we are gone. You see, and that, that is the situation of a lot of us here. It's like we are after Jesus because of bread for food. We need bread for food. So once we get the bread for food, we, we've forgotten about you. Hallelujah. But you see, there's another group of people whose relationship with God or with the Spirit is not a bread for food relationship. They come to God and they approach the Spirit because they are saying that I want a seed to go and sow. I want a seed to go and sow. I want a seed to go and sow. I want a seed to... I'm not following after you because I just want bread. I'm following after you because I want a seed to go and sow. Now, you remember that one day Jesus comes and Jesus tells us a parable. Jesus says that one day a certain man went into the field to sow seeds. And as he scattered the seeds, some fell among tongues, some fell on the pathway, some fell among rocky grounds, and some fell on good soil. Now, later on, Jesus now begins to explain this parable. And Jesus said that the man that goes out to sow is God himself. Who, the man that scattered the seeds is God himself who goes out to scatter the seed of the word to, to people. Now, those that approach God with the idea or with the desire or the mentality of give me a seed to go and sow, they are saying that I want to be a co-laborer with God. They want to say that the same way that God is going about sowing the seed of his word in the lives of people is the same way that I am approaching you. And I'm not coming to you because I need bread for food. I'm coming to you because I also want a seed to go and sow. The same way that the father is busy sowing the seed of the word in the lives of people. He said that I have come to you because I want a seed. Give me the seed 
seed of the word so I can also go and sow in the life of people. Give me the seed of a healing ministry so that I can also go and heal people. Give me the seed of a counseling anointing so that I can also go and counsel people. Give me the, the seed of a children's ministry so that I can also go and help certain children to grow. They are saying that give me a seed to go and sow. I'm not following after you just because I want bread for food. The question you must ask yourself is, which of these two people are you? What, what is driving your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you looking for a seed to go and sow? That will be a blessing to other people. Or you are just, you are just, you are just following because you want bread for food. Which, which of these two are you? Which of these relationships do you have? Is it a seed to sow relationship? Or is it a bread for food relationship? You see, the reason why a lot of people don't like the seed to sow relationship is because it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. You see, the Bible says, in, I think it's in Psalm uh, 51 verse 17 or so, the Bible says that they that go out weeping, carrying their seed to sow, shall come back rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. So the Bible is saying that, it's like, when you go and say that, I want the seed to go and sow, the first thing that must come to your mind is that the Bible is saying that you will carry your seed weeping to go and sow. So it's like, the seed to sow relationship, it's not a, it's not a trivial relationship. It's not a, it's not a flamboyant relationship. It's not that, that one that is rosy and merry. No, it's one that is difficult and, and of hard work. Psalm 51 verse 17, I think. 51 verse 17. No, not, not the this, not this scripture. But I, I believe that we've all um, seen that scripture before. See that he, they that go out to sow their seed shall, shall come back rejoicing, bringing in the sieves. So as, when, once you decide to be a sower of the seed of the word of God, one, one, the first thing you must recognize that it's a, it's a difficult, it requires hard work. Because the sower will have to go and dig, plant the seed, water it, nurture it, prune it, make sure that it grows, drive animals that will try and eat it, and all of that. It's hard work. That sort of relationship is hard work. And that's why a lot of people are not interested. When their approach to God is not, I want seed to sow. No, our approach is, I want bread for food. I want, you see, the, the language of, of people that want their seed to sow relationship, it's like when Paul says that, my little children, with whom I travel in the pain of birth until Christ be formed in you. That is a seed to sow relationship. It's like, I, I'm ready to press hard. I'm willing to put in all the hard work and, and all the effort so that Christ will also be formed in you. That's why he describes it that way. He says, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the pains of birth. In, in other words, he strikes that challenge. I'm in agony so that Christ will be formed in you. I'm, I'm in agony trying to sow the seed of Christ in you. Praise the Lord. I pray that God shall elevate us from the realm where we are just interested in bread to the realm where we are interested in having a seed. Hallelujah. Now, another reason why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit is because they stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and they listen to other voices. That's why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's because they stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and they started listening to other voices. Other voices. Romans 8 verse 14. The Bible says that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What it means is that the Spirit that leads you is what guarantees whether you are a child of God or not, or whether you are a son of God, of God or not. The Spirit that leads you, the voice that leads you, says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, in other words, as many as are led by the voice of the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. A lot of believers, we start out listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But for many people along the line, we stop listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we now allow ourselves to be led by other voices. We now allow ourselves to be led by other voices. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 10. Uh, if you can give me original King James. Original King James. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 10. He says, there are as it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them without significance. There are, there are so many other voices in the world and none of them is without signification. 
So the Bible makes us aware that there are many other voices apart from the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Satan. I'm sure uh, for some of us, these are the only two voices. No, the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Satan. Apart from the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of Satan, we can be led by many other voices. Many, and the more we are led by other voices apart from the voice of the Holy Spirit, we lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. One of the voices that leads a lot of us is the voice of friends. The voice of friends. It's one of the voices that is leading a lot of people. When you read First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 12, um, we read the story of Rehoboam, who was one of King Solomon's sons. But unfortunately, he wasn't as wise as King Solomon. So the Bible says that one day the children of Israel came to him. And, he said, and they said, that, look, your, your, your father's yoke was strong upon us, lighting the burden upon us. And then he went to the old man and said, that, look, this is, what, this is what the people are saying. And the old man said, look, listen to them. Listen to them and, and lighten their, their yoke, lighten their burden. But the Bible says that then he, he didn't listen to them. Then he went to his friends. He went to his peers. And his, his peers or his friends told him, look, t- tighten the yoke that is upon them. Tell them that you are now going to increase it. And then he went and he, and he listened to the voice of his friends. And he told them, look, I am now, I am now come to tickling the, the yoke that is upon you. And the Bible says that when all of Israel said, this is what you want to do. Okay. The Bible says that all of them left him. And they pledged allegiance to Jeroboam. And it was only the, the tribe of Judah that, that pledged allegiance to Rehoboam. Hallelujah. And really that one is because of like the covenant, you know, that the Lord had with his father David. It's like everybody would have left him, but God just have mercy upon him. He said that, you know, because of your father David, you let me leave this, this small portion for you. Hallelujah. So a lot of us, the voice that is leading us is the voice of friends. Another voice that leads a lot of us, or a lot of people, is the voice of your spouse. It's one of the voices that can lead you. The voice of your spouse. You see, Eve was influenced by the voice of Satan. But Adam was influenced by the voice of his spouse. Yeah, for Adam is the voice of his spouse that influenced him. You see, God being all wise, that's why he told the children of Israel, he told them certain tribes they should not marry from. When they left Egypt, he gave them a tall list of things to do. And one of the things was that he told them certain tribes they should not marry from. Because you know that, look, one of the voices that will influence you is the voice of your spouse. It's like, so if the voice of your spouse does not resonate with the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you astray. He will lead you away from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens to King Solomon. You see, because of his many wives who were not godly, who were not in tune with the Spirit of God, their voices led him away from the Spirit of God. He lost fellowship with the Holy Spirit because of the voice of his spouse, of his spouses. Hallelujah. Now, another voice that can lead us is the voice of the people. The voice of the people. The vo- you see, Pontius Pilate was led by the voice of the people. If you read your Bible carefully, the Holy Spirit ministered to him. The, the Holy Spirit, the first time the people brought an allegation before Jesus, he said, look, I, have, I find no basis of a charge that you have against this man. The Holy Spirit ministered to him. And to, to Western matters, the Holy Spirit now ministered through his wife to him. But he did not listen to the voice of the Spirit. He listened to the voice of the people. Because he wanted to please the people. Look, let's look at Mark chapter 15 verse 12 to, to 15. You, you see the, the, the main reason why Pilate followed the voice of the people. Mark 15, 12 to 15. He said, and Pilate answered and said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him, who you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, why, what evil has he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Willing to content the people. Willing to content the people. It's like, it's like he was just following the voice of the people. He just wanted to make the people happy. And a lot of us, that's our story. It's like we want to make the people happy. So we don't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We now follow after the voice of the people. Hallelujah. Now another voice that leads us is the voice of the system. The voice of the system. The voice of the system is what led the children of Israel when they came to um, um, Samuel and said that make us a king. Because you see, the system at the time was that every nation had a human king. That was the system. That was the system. And so they also came to 
prophet Samuel said, look, make us a king like, like all the other people, like all the other systems we see. Make us also a human king. And Samuel began to speak to them by the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, look, God is your king. God is your king. You are different from the other nations. God is your king. But they would not listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit through Samuel. They wanted to follow after the voice of the system. The voice of the system was very strong in their ears. So they followed the voice of the system and they missed God. Hallelujah. So, a lot of us are losing our relationship with the Holy Spirit because we are listening to other voices. We are listening to other voices, you see. And the more you listen to other voices, the more you are drawn away from fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, reason number three, why people lose fellowship with the Holy Spirit. People lose their fellowship, with, their relationship with the Holy Spirit because of sin. We lose our relationship with the Holy Spirit because of sin. You see, in the book of Genesis, the Bible said that after Adam and Eve had sinned, the Bible said that one day the Lord entered the garden and wanted to have a relationship with them, wanted to have fellowship with them, wanted to have communion with them. And the Bible said that when the Lord cried out unto them and said, Adam, where are you? The Bible said that Adam and Eve ran and they hid themselves. They, they ran away from God. Now, why, why, why did they run away from God? It's because, you see, sin carries within itself the effect of making people stay away from fellowship with God. Yeah, it's one of the things that sin carries. It's one of the seeds that sin carries. It carries the effect of making people stay away from fellowship with God. It carries within itself the power to kill the desire for communion with God. Yeah, it's one of the potencies of sin. It carries within itself the power to kill your desire for communion with God. That's why when a believer begins to meddle in sin, you realize they don't like to come to church anymore. They don't want to pray anymore. They don't, the desire to read the Bible is not anymore. Why? It's because it's one of the potencies of sin. It, it didn't start today. It started in Genesis. The first time they sinned, they, 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 what the sin made them do is that the sin made them run away from God. And that's what you experience in your life when you keep sinning. It's like the more you keep sinning, the more, you sin, the more the desire to fellowship with God is not there. It started right from Genesis. Hallelujah. So many people lose their relationship with the Holy Spirit because they lost the desire for the Holy Spirit as a result of continuous meddling in sin. Yeah. That's why it's like, the more you meddle in sin, it's like you don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit like before. Yeah. The more you meddle in sin, the more your desire to pray is gone. The more your desire to read the Bible is gone. The more, the, the more your desire to sing songs of praise to God is, is gone. Yeah, because sin, sin carries that power. It carries that potency. Hallelujah. So the question is, how do we restore our relationship with the Holy Spirit? We've looked at why we must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We've looked at why people lose their relationship with the Holy Spirit. The question is, how do we restore our relationship with the Holy Spirit? How do we restore our relationship with the Holy Spirit? I believe that the story of the prodigal son gives us practical steps to Restoring our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The story of the prodigal son. Now, when you look at the life of the prodigal son, you realize that the prodigal son lived for many years with his father in the same house. He had a relationship with his father. He would wake up every morning and speak with his father. He would wake up every morning and hear the counsel of his father. He would wake up every morning and hear the voice of his father. His father would advise him every morning. He would converse with him. So he had a relationship with his father. As long as he stayed in his father's house, he had a relationship with, with his father. He had communion with his father. But the Bible says that one day, he decided that he wanted to leave his father's house. So he collected his share of the property. And the Bible said that he went to a far country. He went to a far country. Now, in that far country, he could no longer hear his father's voice. In that far country, he could no longer hear his father's counsel. Remember, there was no mobile phones. There was no FaceTime, there was no Skype, nothing. So it's like once he's in a far country, he can't hear his father's voice anymore. That relationship he had with his father was no more. He was now hearing other voices, not the voice of his father. So the relationship he used to have with his father was no more there. But the Bible says that one day he came to himself. When he had hit a hard and stony ground, the Bible says that he came to himself. And when he came to himself, he did three things. Number one, he acknowledged that he had strayed. He acknowledged that he had strayed. If you gain restoration of your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the first thing is that you must acknowledge that you have strayed. 
you must acknowledge that the communion you have you used to have with the Holy Spirit is not like before. You must recognize that the way you used to pray is not like before. The way you used to have your quiet time is not like before. The way you used to fast is not like before. The way you used to have a longing for spiritual things is not like before. The way you used to have a longing to preach is not like before. The way you used to have a longing to share the word of the Lord is not like before. The way you would have dreams and visions is not like before. The way you would prophesy is not like before. The way, the way your eyes would open in a meeting is not like before. You must realize that you have strayed. The way you used to be committed to your ministry is not, it's not like before. We used to see you every, every weekday for midweek, but now it's not like before. Yeah, the, the first thing is that Charlie, I've, I've strayed. I've missed it. I've messed up. That's the first thing he, he did. He said, I've, I've, I've strayed. And if you are here in this place, I believe that as the word of the Lord is coming, you can recognize that you have strayed. You can recognize your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not like before. It's like your, your priorities are different. Your priorities have changed now. Your priorities have changed. You see, some of us, eh, we may even be praying, but the things we pray for have now even changed. Yeah. You, may, yeah, you see, and it's, 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 a, it's one thing that you have to watch. You can still be praying, but the things you pray for has now even changed. It's like the, the things that you're now, your heart now chases after is more materialistic than spiritual, but you are still praying. Yeah. It's like now, if you analyze your prayer topics, like, a lot more of it has to do with what you want, what you eat, money you need, a breakthrough you need. It, it's now shifted from how you wanted God to anoint you and to use you. Yeah. It's, it's now shifted from how you used to intercede for a lot of people. It's now shifted from how you used to pray for the church. You see, and it, it's, a, it's one of the things that you must recognize. Before you realize this, you, you, you think you are still in tune with the Holy Spirit, but you become more fleshly in your prayer. Hallelujah. So you must recognize that you are strayed. That your relationship with the Holy Spirit is not like before. Now, the second thing he did after he realized he had strayed is that he said he decided to retrace his steps back to his father's house. He decided to retrace his steps back to his father's house. He said that I shall go back to my father's house. I shall go back to my father's house. The Lord wants you to tell you, go back to the things you used to do. Go back to the things you used to do that made you have that tight connection with the Holy Spirit. Go back to prayer. Go back to study of the word. Go back to fasting. Go back to worshipping. Go back to your ministry. Go back to preaching. Go back to evangelism. Go back to the laying on of hands. Go back to praying for the sick. Go back to studying the bus and preaching. Go back to all of this. He said that I shall go to my father's house. I shall return to my father's house. And he went back. He said that that thing I left, that fellowship I left, that my father's house that we used to laugh and joke and I used to hear, I am going back to it. And tonight the Spirit of the Lord is saying that go back. Go back. Go back to quiet time. Before, no quiet time, no breakfast. Now it's like you, you eat breakfast, lunch, supper. You've not had quiet time. You can't be bothered. The Bible says that go back to that principle of no quiet time, no breakfast. Go back to that principle. Go back. Go back. You see, Revelation chapter 2, 4 and 5, the Bible says something beautiful. He, in the letters to the seven churches, he writes to one of the churches called Ephesus. Now, listen to what he says to this church. Revelation 2, 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. In other words, thou hast lost your fellowship. Thou hast lost your fellowship. And says that, remember, wherefore, therefore, from whence thou hast fallen, and repent. Now watch this. And do the first works. And do the first works. The first thing you used to do. This is the Bible's recommendation to restoring your first love. Go back to the first works. He says you, you've lost your first love. How do you regain it? Go back to the first works. The, the same thing you used to do. The same things you used to The way you come to church early, before worship time, say, go back to it. Go back to it. Yeah. He said, go back to it. The way you read chapters, chapters upon chapters, of, he said, go back to it. He said, that's the key to restoring your relationship. Whatever you have left, go back to it. I pray that tonight, may God give you the strength to go back to what you have left. Go back to your father's house. Hallelujah. Then the final thing he did, when he went to his father's house, he pleaded with his father to restore him. He pleaded with his father to restore him. He said, 
Father, I have sinned against you, but forgive me. And even if you not take me as your son again, take me as one of your servants. He pleaded to the Father. He said, restore me. I, 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 have, I have goofed. I have made a mistake. I left you. I shouldn't have left you. I shouldn't have left you. And a lot of us, we are leaving things we should not leave. He said, I shouldn't have left you, but I've come back and I'm saying that, forgive me. Forgive me and restore me as your son. And said, perhaps, if you will not restore me as your son, just make me one of your servants. But you see, the father said, look, I won't take you back as a servant. I'll take you back as my son again. I will take you back as my son. The Bible says that a, a, a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will know why, who is cast out. Yeah. You see, some people are afraid to come back because they are wondering to themselves, like, will, will God take me back? Will he restore me back to my former state? Yeah, you see, that, that's one of the things that this son was thinking about. He said, I'll go back, but you, let, let me go and say I want to be a servant. I, I don't want to come back to that same level. I want to be a servant. But the father said, no. No, I, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to the realm of a son. And so if you are here, you are, you are wondering to yourself, will God take me back to that level? Will God take me back? I've moved, I've left him. I left him a long time. I show up in church, but between me and God, I know I left him a long time ago. And you are wondering, will God take you back? It's like, it, it, some of us, you are thinking, it's like, after everything I've done when I left him, will he, will he still take me back? Will he still take me back? Will he still restore this fellowship I had with him? Will he still restore this joy that I used to have with him? Will he still restore this communion I used to have with him? I came to tell you that God will take you back. God will take you back. God will take you back. You see, there's, there's a song that we sing, and sometimes we think that it's a, it's a Sunday school song. We say that what? It's so high. You can't get over it. It's so low. You can't get under it. It's so wide. You can't get around it. Oh, wonderful love. He's talking about the love of God. He said that, Charlie, it's like whatever you have done, it's not, it's not so high that it, it's, it supersedes the height of the love of God. You see, that's why the Bible says that you shall come to know the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of the love of God. That's what the Bible says. That look, the love of God to take you back and to restore His sight is, is so wide that it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's like you, you are not so low that you fall under the circumference of the love of God. You've not gone so far away that it's like the length and the breadth of it, like you are now outside the scope. He said, no, no I, will, I will take you back and I'll restore you. I'll restore you as a son, one more. I'll restore the joy. i restore the joy of, of the fellowship. See, a lot of us are there. The, the, all the problems we are having is because we left the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All the all the issue, all the unhappiness, yeah, all the tears, and it's because we we, we we lost the joy of our salvation, which is the joy that the Holy Spirit brings in our hearts. Hallelujah. Yeah. The, 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 the reason for our gloominess and our sorrow and everything is, is because we, we left the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, He comes to you with joy. Yeah, He comes to you with peace. It comes with joy and peace and gladness of heart. You see, that's why the Bible says that I'll give you beauty for ashes, strength for fear, gladness for mourning, peace for despair. So it's like when the Holy Spirit comes, He now makes that exchange. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, that's why when, when David sinned, He said that, restore to me the joy of that. He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me and restore to me the joy of that service. Because you know that when the Holy Spirit goes, the thing that follows the Holy Spirit is the joy of salvation. It's like, once the Holy Spirit has departed, he, he lives with the joy of salvation. So once you leave him, you are, you, are, you are walking further away from the joy of salvation. Hallelujah. But tonight, I believe God wants to restore somebody. I believe God wants to restore somebody. Maybe you are here and you recognize that this message is for you. You realize that Charlie, you've, lost, you've lost your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You've lost it. You are, you are at your lowest point. Of, of your spiritual encounter with God. You have lowest point in your work with God. We just want to bow down our heads. You want to pray. I don't know what ministered to you in this whole message and in this whole sermon. But you want to just pray. You want to say, Father, I have strayed. I have left you. The way I used to commune with you is no more. The way I used to pray is no more. The way I used to read my Bible is no more. The way I used to love you is no more. The way my longing for spiritual things is no more. The way I would pray hours is no more. It's no more like that. The way I would do all night prayers is no more like that. The way I used to love for an anointing 
so that I will bless other people. It's no more. It's not like that anymore. You just want to pray and say, Father, I, have, I acknowledge that I have gone astray. Restore me tonight in the name of Jesus. 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 Tonight there is a restoration. Tonight there is a restoration. There is a drawing close. 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 In the name of Jesus. God is, God is drawing you close with his love. God is drawing you close with his love. God is drawing you close with his love. He's drawing you close to his love. He's, he's drawing you with the cords of love one more time. I should go to him in repentance. I should go to him sorrowing and say that, Father, I've missed this. Father, I've lost this. Father, I've strayed. He's drawing you with the cords of his love. The songwriter said, there's no shadow you won't light up. There's no light you won't tear down. Coming after me. God, God is coming after us. He's coming after us. The Bible says that the, 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 the father of the prodigal son was looking outside the window all the time. And he was watching. Is my son coming back? Is my son coming back? Is he coming back? Every morning you go to his window and you open his window. And he said, is my son coming back? Let me open the window again today. Perhaps my son is returning. God wants you to return. He's longing. He's eager. He's, he's anticipating your return. That is why he said that there's no shadow he won't light up. There's no light he won't tear down. There's no wall he won't, he won't go over. There's no door he won't take down. There's no mountain he won't go over. And the reason why he's doing all of that is because he's chasing after you. He's chasing after you. He's chasing after you. You want to say, Father, draw me close. Draw me close. Father, restore me. Father, restore me. Father, restore me. There's a restoration in our hearts tonight. There's a restoration in this building. There's a restoration in this building. Somebody's receiving strength to go back. Somebody's receiving strength to go back to the first works. Somebody's receiving strength. The Holy Spirit is ministering strength to somebody. He's ministering strength for you to go back to prayer. He's ministering strength for you to go back to studying the word. Receive the strength of the Lord. Receive the strength of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is giving you strength. After tonight, the ascetic strength will come back to you. To return to the Holy Spirit. A certain strength will come back to you to be able to preach. A certain strength will come back to you to be able to pray. A certain strength will come back to you to be able to fast in the name of Jesus. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down. Just, just lay everything down. The struggle, the wrestle, the running away, the walking away. Just lay it down. You are my desire. Father, we pray. We are saying that you are desire tonight. No one else will do. Nothing else, Lord. Nothing else could take your place. Oh, to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back to you. Oh, you're all I want. You're all I want. This is our prayer to God tonight. We are saying that He's all I want, and He's all we ever need.
sorry tonight Father we are sorry for leaving you we are sorry for straying we are sorry for losing fellowship with you but we say we are coming back tonight we say we are coming back to you we are coming back to communion with you we are coming back to fellowship with you we are coming back to a relationship with you we are coming back to fellowship with you we are tracing our steps back to your house. We are tracing our steps back to your house. We are tracing our steps back to fellowship with you. In the name of Jesus, it's all about you, Lord. It's all about you, Lord. We are coming back. We are coming back. We are returning to our Father's house. 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 We are returning to the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. We are coming back, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus.